Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I guess the thing everyone forgets about going through IVF is you're usually doing it while you're working full time. You don't want to tell a lot of people what you're going through, or we didn't. We managed to get two eggs. They both survived and became embryos. We put two back in, and one of those embryos ended up being our son. The older he gets, the more like her he is. We never want him to feel like he's lesser than. Yeah. Um, so we never say, you don't have a dad. We mm -hmm. say, you've got two mums. So welcome to Some Families, the LGBTQ parenting podcast where we deep dive into all things parenting when your kid has two mums or two dads or any other combination you can think of. It's been like quite a quiet time, quite a really, slow week, yeah. not much going on, just Nothing at all, pretty really. boring, yeah. in the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I decided to leave a job I've been in for... <laughs> almost seven years, and uh, just have a new baby. Amazing. All in the Tell same time. Tell me everything. So last time we talked, to recap, yes. you told me that you just got an email telling you that there was another yes. baby within yes. your adopted family. Yeah, and in light speed time, he is home with us, and we're fostering to adopt him at this moment in time. We have a matching panel coming up with him and then we will hopefully be his adoptive parents. So Amazing. it's been a blooming whirlwind, How but a wonderful feel? one. How do you feel like right now? Happy. Our decision was made the moment we heard about him right. in our hearts and he just felt like part of our family the moment we heard about that him. That makes so, me like I'm getting like um, tingly in the back of my neck when you say that. It's, it's, it's so nice. He has brought out the best in all of us, I would say. So nice. He, especially in my daughter. So then when we broke the news to her and we, we did it by wrapping up a photo of him and wrapping up a cuddly toy that we'd bought for him. Oh, and so her and my son opened it and kind of were looking at it and we had to explain, this is not a present for you. This is a present for your new baby brother. How incredible that what you've been on this journey that we've talked about, normally it's at least nine months for people. Yeah. And that whole nine months was just um, totally squished into this intense... Yeah. Like, what was it? Even though we are 
uh, adopters and we've adopted two children, we were not approved to adopt again or to foster adopt. You have to go through the whole process again. And that was potentially going to be a very long process. But because we wanted to get him home as soon as possible. So yeah. we worked really hard on that. To... Well, congratulations. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And you're amazing. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, when I see when we started this podcast, I was father of two. Now I'm father of three. God, by the time we end, I'll oh, be no. father oh, of ten. Oh, God. I'll be Angelina Jolie. <laughs> oh, but yes. But anyway, that's my week. You know, what have yeah. you been up to, Lottie? I've started a new job. Congratulations. Thank you. I've been freelance as a writer and a kind of creative consultant type person for just over a year. And I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'm not going to say anything bad because mm -hmm. you're just moving into the yeah. freelance world. Um, but I have loved being back in a yeah. company. I'm working for Mary Portis, who's Amazing. some of yeah. um, people listening might know. A lesbian mum. She is a lesbian mum. And it's a brilliant company. Check the people you. that work there, she has an amazing podcast called Work Like a Woman. And I can honestly attest that that brilliant work culture that they talk about in that podcast genuinely exists in her agency and it's like that's, nowhere else I've ever worked. That's nice to hear. It's brilliant, yeah. So that's really good and positive. Um, but the other big piece of news is that last time we spoke, I I was umming and ahhing about whether I wanted to try for a baby myself. Yes. Um, and I think I was kind of discussing the pros and cons with you and I mm -hmm. was saying that in so many ways, I'm so satisfied as the mm -hmm. other mother. Yeah. I don't know if I have a real biological urge to carry a child. Then I kind of decided I'd like to try. Okay. And the reason I decided that really after interrogating myself and speaking to my therapist was I think it would be really amazing to see my family in another person yeah and I've had quite a uniquely kind of disjointed slightly tragic family life um so I'm my parents divorced I'm my I'm really close to my cousins they we grew up like sisters my older cousin um who was like a sister to me, died of a brain tumor when she was um, 31. Mm -hmm. um, my younger cousin, Romy, who's in the band The XX, her mum died when she was 11 and she came to live with me. Then her dad died when she was 21. God. And so we're this really tight mm. family of women. So there was something about the idea of, you know, family is so important to me and I feel like there's something so emotional for me about my family and these, the thought that these people that I've loved and lost, like my cousin, could mm. somehow, like my cousin, he was called Billy, could somehow be in this new person that I brought yeah. into the world. Like there's a bit of her in this person. Mm. There's a bit in my aunt, Romy's mum who died in this person. Like that to me felt like an incredible mm. gift and an amazing possibility. So in a way, that's what motivated me to, to yeah. try. Do you not feel that that your daughter does have that already in her. She does, I guess she has. Because of the nurture and the way that you bring yes, her up. And she does. The and the fact I can, that she's surrounded by this yeah. amazing family of yours. And if it doesn't work for me, that is entirely what I will think. But there, I think, is something or would be something powerful in the 
the very genetics and the biology of seeing mm. a baby and thinking that's come from me and this baby actually has yeah. the blood and the genes of these people. Um, so I tried. Yeah. IUI. Um, and then, do you know, I felt really special. Yeah. I felt like... I felt like something like magical could be happening inside me. Yeah. And that really surprised me because I wasn't, I'm quite cynical and I'm quite like, um, and I'm sure a lot of other perhaps mask of center gay women also feel this. Like, I don't, I like my body. I'm not like in touch with my feminine body in the way that some women are mm. like, I just don't really engage with my body in that way. I'm just like, I'm happy I'm flat-chested. I exist in the world. I'm not a woman that particularly wants to celebrate her body. But suddenly I felt in touch with myself in a way that I never have done before. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, it just sort of, it was on my mind every single day. And like, I was like, oh, so I how long, what's going on? Yeah, so you have to wait two weeks before you right. do the test. And... Um, I'm so impatient as a person mm. and I just have to know something now. Yeah. So obviously, like, I bought loads of pregnancy tests and just started doing just them, like, doing way before the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it kept coming back negative and I was like, well, that's fine. You know, it's not the time. I felt, I did feel disappointed, but I didn't feel devastated. Right. And I think it's given me a whole new respect for friends of mine who have had miscarriages mm -hmm. and who have been trying to have baby to conceive and not being able to for months and years mm -hmm. because that week and a bit that I felt like I could be pregnant felt like a really special time yeah and to have lost that mm. felt like a loss so obviously going through the process of IUI mm -hmm. made the idea of being the actual birth mother yeah. feel like a reality for me in mm -hmm. the way that it hasn't for a while and I guess it's really given me like a lot of respect for my wife and for other women who are the carriers, birth mothers of children. Um, and that is actually going to be the theme of the rest of today's podcast. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so on today's show, we have Kirsty, who is a birth mother to a gorgeous little boy. Uh, so we have her coming in to talk about uh, her journey and what she's been through. And I'm sure having been through what you've been through this week mm -hmm. Lottie there's going to be some great conversation there to be had Yay. hi everybody hi Kirsty. so Kirsty, we were just talking about Lottie's experience this week of going through IUI um which sadly hasn't worked for Lottie this um, time that's what, and that was something I wanted to ask you is that then the door that's closed it. on that for you I think or? I'm gonna try a you couple are. more times how many okay. times did you try IUI Three. Uh huh. It feels like three is the magic number. Yeah. I mean, I think we, uh, they, you do that counseling at the start at the clinic I went to, and I think you might be going to the same mm. clinic. And they ask you that question in terms of as a couple, um, w you know, have you talked about if it doesn't work? How many times are you going to try? Mm -hmm. And for us, it was, it was three and kind of regrouping. Uh, we, uh, my wife and I have, were together for five years before we started to talk about having children. Tell me about that first conversation. Mm. Do you remember it? Well, I think I came out a lot later than my wife. So I think I'd always thought I would have children. Um, whereas she, you know, came out very young and probably identified as gay a lot sort of younger than that even. And so in her head, it wasn't possible. 
um, to have kids. So it wasn't really something we started to talk about um, until maybe we'd been together for three or four years. So is that what led you, do you think, to, to, for you to be the birth mother and that's the path that you eventually went down? Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty short conversation. Um, like a lot of gay women I know, um, she uh, wanted to be a mum, but she didn't want to carry. So it was always that I was going to be the birth mother. What you, you sort of talk about it as though, oh, it was just easy and that one person's like one one kind of thing and what the other person's the other. But it's not necessarily like that for everyone, is it? I think it's it can be quite a complex conversation. It sounds like maybe you were quite lucky that it was clear cut in that way. Yeah, I mean, we did have the conversation and my wife, I think, did consider it for a short while, but... It was also really important to me to um, be genetically related to a child. Why do you think that was? It's a natural human instinct, I think, to want to see yourself in your child. Mm. Um, whereas for my wife, that wasn't as important. She wanted to be a mum and she didn't really mind um, the fact that she wouldn't be genetically related to our child. Because mm. that's been a journey that I think that I've been on through the adoption process. And I think, you know, is... I used to want that so much. And it wasn't necessarily for me. The And I suppose that's one thing right now with science and who knows where it goes for all of us, gay, lesbian, whatever, is for me, it was always about, I really not necessarily wanted me genetically because Christ, I'm happy to skip that one. Poor buggers if, the, if they did. But it would be more about having the combination of me and my husband in a child. I used to say to, to people, to, to birth mothers, you know, lesbian, straight, whatever, you know, wow, God, you're so lucky. Like, yes, you have to almost like push a watermelon through your nunny, but it's, you know, what an amazing gift to be able to have that bond with your child. I have not thought that once since having mm. our three. Do you see parts of your extended family in him? I can see you know, bits of my mum, particularly sometimes the way he looks at me. Um, my wife says that she can read his face because it's so similar to mine. The older he gets, the more like her he is. Mm -hmm. And he loves saying things to me like, I love building Lego. And my wife works in the construction industry, says, Mammy and I are builders. So he's constantly aligning himself as well with yeah. her in terms of the That's things so that nice. they have shared interests. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm so looking forward to that moment that you've just described uh, your wife feeling like your son is taking on her characteristics because I feel at the moment our daughter looks so like my wife. She kind of has elements of my personality, of course, but... There's nothing that we can say yet that like, oh my God, that's so Lottie. I mean, other than her deverish tantrums, but that's all kids. Anyway, let's backtrack. You tried IUI. What happened? Yeah, so we did it every couple of months. Um, I have a few fertility issues, which meant we went straight to assisted IUI. Oh yeah, the same. So did you know that before you went into the process? Yes, and we talked about the fact that if it didn't work, we'd talk about IVF, which mm-hmm. is what we eventually did. Yeah. Um, but also, um, my wife was quite keen that we look at adoption okay. because her view was that there's lots of kids out there who need families. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, the other option that we talked about. Kirsty, can I ask you just, um, obviously, as I said, I tried IUI, assisted IUI, and it didn't work. Can I ask you how you felt after each unsuccessful trial of IUI? Very positive initially. Um, I found the drugs really difficult and I think by the end of the third IUI I kind of felt like it was slightly tearing me apart emotionally and I needed a break Mm. so at that point we had I'm trying to think of the timing maybe a two-year break oh okay but at that point I was 38 uh when we went back to have IVF so we knew that you know my window was closing so we had to sort of get a move on was there can you talk a bit about the conversation you had before trying to have IVF was it an easy conversation did was your wife suggesting adoption at that point no i think we we thought we'd give it another couple of rolls of the dice in terms of IVF so at the time i think the success rate was maybe like in the high 20s percent Okay. So, yeah, I think we decided to try again. We Obviously, our original donor wasn't available anymore. So when you go to the London Women's Clinic in Harley Street, yeah, the, all the women go upstairs in this very p- sort of plush building. And you see men kind of scuttling down the basement stairs. And that's the sperm bank at the bottom of the building. Wow. Oh, right. So you can, like, look out the window and be yeah. like, that one, that one. It's fresh. <laughs> we could go and, like, spy. Imagine all these lesbians in the coffee shop outside with, like, big newspapers with eye holes cut out. Get in there. Get in there now. <laughs> Him. Um, and I get asked this question a lot, like, how did you choose your donor? And Lottie, I don't know if it's still the same, but they, they have a website, uh, the London Sperm Bank, and you basically start flicking through a digital catalogue. And it, Do you have to sign up or can you just have a flick? Thinking, I think you can have a flick. I'm just thinking about the train at home. Just I think curious. You could, I think you can have a flick. On, well, I didn't use that donor. I used a different one. And I think it's I think it's public. Maybe you need to put some info in, but it's very mm. easy and open to use. But it prompted a lot of quite bizarre conversations my yeah. wife and I had because she had a particular sort of profile in mind and I had a very different profile. For me, it was really important that our donor was tall. I think my reasoning was he's our child's going to have two mums. They're going to need to be able to defend themselves. So they need to be big. God, that's wow. so interesting. My favourite yeah. thing that you get from choosing donor sperms no. is you get the receptionist's view of them. 
So there's obviously a woman whose job on reception, let's call her like Susan, is to like make a snap judgment about all of these handsome men that come in. And it's just basically like one person's sort of judgment. Yeah, I actually have a friend who uh, went up to the sperm bank desk and said, number XYZ, big nose. <gasps> That's all she wanted to know. Really? <laughs> Amazing. They, they actually just like did the nonverbal, like shook their head. <laughs> so she was like, okay, we'll go for that one. I know a lot of people who've got uh, what they call sibling sperm in mm. storage. So they've put some away. Um, I think we would have tried to use the same uh, donor, but we uh, were one and done. Yeah. We had our son and we knew that was our family. Mm. Um, but uh, the other thing to note about the UK is um, the sperm bank we used each donor, once they have a successful or live birth, they call it, Yeah. Um, that donor then gets registered to you or your child and that donor can only have 10 families. Is that for one? So is that a, a nationwide registry or is well, that just at that sperm worldwide, bank? Worldwide, isn't it? So is it's it registered in the UK with the HFEA, the Human Fertilisation Embryo Agency. Our son, when he's 18, if he wants to, can apply for the details of his donor. I guess the thing everyone forgets about going through IVF is you're usually doing it while you're working full time, mm. while you're, and you're not, you don't want to tell a lot of people what you're going through, or we didn't. So you're kind of jamming in appointments before work. I had to go to the clinic every two days to get scanned because they wanted to measure the length of the follicles and how they were responding to the medication I was on. Also, I... I'm terrible with needles. I faint whenever I give blood. Oh, no. So my wife was injecting me every day with these Where do you have shots. To put it? So we were doing it, I think, in my stomach, okay. icing it and then pinching it. And then they're quite thin needles. Oh. So they actually don't hurt that much, but you get very bruised quite yeah. quickly. We managed to get two eggs. They both survived and became embryos. We put two back in. And one of those embryos ended up being our son. Wow. Um, there was a likelihood of having twins. We also got the sort of warning from the doctor we could end up with triplets because one of the embryos could divide, yeah. which isn't unheard of. But um, given my age, at that time, they recommended putting back in two embryos. So I don't know which one was our son, yeah. but one of them obviously was. Yeah. Amazing. And how was your pregnancy? Um, I don't think I believed it was going to happen uh, until really we got to that 20-week scan. Mm. I think I was preparing myself for the fact that it may end in miscarriage or, you know. And it was really funny. I have asthma and I ended up in A&E and they said to me, are you pregnant? And I said, I am actually. And they said, well, we need to do a pregnancy test just to make sure. And I was really scared it was going to be negative, mm. even though I was about oh, eight weeks pregnant. <laughs> I can imagine that. Yeah. Something that I felt even that brief period that I could possibly have been pregnant was that as a woman going through it you have to keep so many competing things in your head and it's so emotionally draining so in your head you have to have this might not work I might have a miscarriage how am I going to feel about that am I going to be okay but then you also have to have this might work how the hell am I going to have a child what's that going to be like what's mm. pregnancy going to be like and personally, even just for that week of like, it might work, it might not work. What if it works? What if it doesn't work? I found it really draining. And the thought that you almost have nine months of that until the baby's actually there of kind of like second guessing yourself and not letting yourself get too excited about it and always thinking, well, it might not work. But then shit, what if it does work? Or what if it doesn't work? 
Did you feel that? I did, yeah. It was kind of like this um, sort of hum in your brain the whole time. So your son is now five? He's four and a half. Four and a half, okay. He's at school. What's it like having a man about the house? (laughs) (laughs) We do sometimes call him the little man of the house. Our son's just started school um, in a school of 600 kids and he's the only one with a family like ours. Mm. And... um, They've been getting uh, sight words sent home every week that they have to learn off by heart. And this week's sight word was dad, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a word that I guess you have to learn. Um, and so driving home from football on Sunday morning, he's in the back seat, says to me, mummy, why don't I have a dad? And you think in your head that these conversations are going to be perfectly curated, like you're all mm-hmm. going to be seen together as a mm-hmm. family and there's going to be a script. But instead, you know, you're getting asked on sort of 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning after you yeah. bought donuts, like, and you're slightly why don't I have a dad? Like, oh, God, <laughs> drive into football. Mm. And I think what we've realized is this is going to be obviously an ongoing conversation. Um, and what he already knows to say when other kids ask him is that I've got two mummies. Some families have two mums. Some families have two dads. Some families so have a mum and a dad. you so focus he, on what he does have rather than what he doesn't. Mm. We never want him to feel like he's lesser than. Yeah. Um, so we never say, you don't have a dad. We mm. say, you've got two mums. Okay, so we have some questions that we ask um, all of our guests. The first one is based on our imaginary Aunt Sally, who is uh, just the worst. She's, well, she's not... Oh, oh, she means she's well. Aunt Sally, she, she loves me- you. She loves you. She just she, asks the she wrong loves thing. You. Yes. Yeah, she's naive. She doesn't... She really wants to understand, but she likes the drink and yes. she just asks the question that's on her mind without, she has no filter. I guess um, people feel entitled to ask, uh, you know, who's your son's dad or who's the father. Mm. And we don't ever describe the donor like that because they don't have a parenting role. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that challenging. I'm also very conscious of my son's privacy. So, mm. you know, um, I could sit here and tell you all the donor's characteristics, but I'm not going to because that's his story. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he deserves to know before anyone else apart from us. That's a great point. So how do you? I mean, I guess you judge the situation. I've had people ask me, you know, school drop off. Oh, who carried? You know, sort of. And... I think they're interested and I try and be factual. Mm. And I also think we have a certain responsibility to help educate people yeah. mm. and normalise this. Mm. It's where um, their intention is coming from. Yeah. It's coming from a good place. The question... being curious and... The question you really um, resent is when it's implied who's the real mother. Finally, what do you wish you knew before you went into the process of having or starting to try and have a family? Um, I wish I'd taken on board what my sister said to me, which is no one's ever emotionally or financially ready to have a child. So you just have to get on with it. Um, Great answer. Yeah. (laughs) But also, I really wish I'd been more hopeful because I just remember being so worried and stressed during that conception period and so pessimistic, really. And I wish someone just sort of said to me, if you want to be a parent, you'll be a parent. And, you know, I think back on those three IUIs and um, they were difficult, but they weren't the child we were meant to have. We have the child we were meant Mm. to have. And I remember when they collected my eggs and my wife burst into tears and the doctor just hugged her and said, 
you only need one. Mm. And she was right. And he was the one. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kirsty, for sharing your story with us. It's been amazing to have you. Another great show. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you for listening. Um, we hope you've learned something, found something interesting. Um, and, and I will ask a lot about the sperm as yeah, well. Yeah, that's fine. So just I, for be a lesbian, I know a lot about sperm. <laughs> so that was fun. It was nice talking to Kirsty and hearing her experience of RUI. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you at home mm-hmm. listening have any any stories at all that you'd like to share with us if anything that we've spoken about has resonated with you today we'd love to hear from you it's the whole point of some families um it is the lgbtq parenting podcast for you and about you so please um, feel free to contact us on social media and if you are a sperm donor we'd love to hear from you as well (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i would love to hear from some sperm donors yes Cheers, Cheers, my darling. The dregs of a glass of wine. Yeah, we've oh, we've polished we've our polished bottles. Our bottles. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, just the one. Just the one. <laughs> oh, we're being, you know, moderate tonight. Moderate. Okay, um, good night. Goodbye. Good night. God bless. Good morning, whenever you're listening. Yes. And thoughts to all the sperm out there. Yeah. <laughs>